Hello. Welcome to the You Got Job podcast. This is Suzanne Yegley. Happy whatever day this is. Uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving and you saw people and ate things. I know I did. Uh, I finished watching the Friday the 13th movies and I'm sure you're dying to know what my favorite kill is. Or maybe you're dying to know, uh, what's more likely is you're dying to know how I went from someone who has never seen a horror movie to someone who watched 12 horror movies. But anyway, my favorite kill is when, this is pretty, everyone's going to say, yeah, yeah, if you know anything about these movies. But at one point, he picks up a girl in a sleeping bag and slams her against a tree. Um, and then she's dead. So that one's pretty good. And um, the runners up are probably, there's a oh god, Jason X is on a spaceship. And this is, again, people who've seen this. I'm just picking the most popular kills because that's the kind of lowbrow person I am. But he freezes, they're on a spaceship, which is ridiculous. Anyway, he freezes this woman's head in the, what is, I always forget the word, you know, the stuff they used on my warts, uh, nitrous, nitrous oxide, nitri liquid nitrogen, he sticks her head in liquid nitrogen, and then he smashes her head on the table, and it shatters, that's kind of neat, and then, um, the third one is in my favorite of these stupid movies, which was called, um, Jason Takes Manhattan, which you think is going to be in Manhattan, but it's totally, <clears throat> Ooh, did you hear that? That was chili stuck in my throat. <laughs> anyway, chili from earlier today. Uh, Jason takes Manhattan, which is not set in Manhattan. Uh, he takes a boat from uh, New Jersey to Manhattan somehow. They don't explain how. He goes from a lake to the Hudson River, I assume. Anyway, there is a few minutes that's set in the city, and he's on top of a building, and they're, he's boxing with this guy, and then he just punches the guy's head and it flies off his body. It's just like so unbelievable that you could punch someone so hard their their head goes flying off the side of the building, but I kind of liked that. I really liked that whole movie. It was ridiculous. It was on a boat and there was all kinds of weird. Anyway, just watch it yourself and then spend another eight hours watching Crystal Lake Memories, which is a documentary with Corey Feldman doing the, um, anyway, <laughs> you should watch that. Waste your life away doing that like I did. Hello, let's start again. This week, I my first interview is with Jeff Fox, meteorologist. So I'm trying to switch it up from the depressing animal stories that last week. <laughs> I, I feel like um, I let you down, I let myself down. I just, uh, you know. Jeff Fox, meteorologist, and this was from 2005. I, I, and again, I haven't read this one since two, I haven't read this. Sometimes I feel like my tongue is just a little bit too big. Like maybe I should have like some kind of surgery that where they just shave your tongue down just a bit on the sides. But then um, maybe it just grows back. So it's pointless. Maybe I should get Botox for my tongue. I don't know. That probably wouldn't help. Okay. I just remember this guy being funny. And I was like, after last week, I need to kind of, you know, stop talking about murdering animals and start talking about silly jobs. So this guy was a meteorologist, which is a very serious job. Well, it's, oh, fuck, this was, okay, let's not talk about global warming. I, I get it. I'm 
I get it. I'm trying to push forward with life. Okay, here we go. I said, how did you become a weatherman? He said, I was in Buffalo. Okay, wait, this guy's kind of, well, anyway, okay, I'm just going to read it. I was in Buffalo and trying not to work outside. I was hosting PM Magazine, which was totally in the field. I remember it was the day before we broke for, for Christmas, and we were at the Niagara Falls Air Force Base. It was really cold and really windy, and we were out on the tarmac, and my lips were no longer working. It was one of those situations where you had to cup your hands to your lips and blow just to warm your lips to be able to speak. <laughs> Jeff, maybe you just need tongue and, uh, you know, reduction surgery like I do. Anyway, I was thinking, this TV thing is good, but I'm not sure about the way I'm getting into it. Okay, cool. So Jeff's like, listen. Oh, and by the way, if you search for this, his name is G-E-O-F-F, -F, Jeff, and then Fox, just F-O-X. It's not J-E-F-F, G-E-O-F-F-F-O-X. So he's thinking this TV thing is good, but he's freezing his ass off. If you live in Seattle, is that guy's name Jim Foreman? There's this red-haired guy who always is in the shit. <laughs> like, they're constantly throwing to him from the warmth of the studio, and he's always, like, just, you know, getting rained on and snowed on and wind blown and just poor Jim Foreman. I bet he's thinking the same thing. I'm not sure about this. Anyway, I said, did you go to school to learn meteorology? He said, I didn't study it. While I was doing PM Magazine, they had a weekend person who on. <laughs> they had a weekend person on who was just horrendous. She mispronounced the name. Oh, see, there goes my tongue again. She, the, see, she needs this, this woman. She mis, mispronounced the name the names of towns. So I asked if I could do it, and they said, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is high tech here. So he didn't study meteorology, but while he was doing PM Magazine, he's like, boy, the weekend person is saying the town's wrong. Please, that's, that'd be a hard job. Like, I remember probably the first year I lived out here, there's a town called, this is how it's spelled, P-U-Y, a-L-L-U-P. So the part, second part's like Gallup. So I always thought it was like Poyalup. No, it's Puyallup. And of course, Spokane spelled like Spokane. You'd think it would be Spokane, but it's Spokane. And Oregon, don't get me started. It's not, how do you say it wrong? Oregon. It's Oregon. Okay, so I said to Jeff, they just gave you the job? He said, yep, but right away, I started to study, and almost immediately, I realized it was fun. It's like a new puzzle every day. The pieces you get today help you solve the puzzle for tomorrow. Hmm. I like Jeff's attitude. Weather reporting has really changed over the last 20 years. It used to be putting magnetic suns on magnetic boards. Oh, see, that sounds great. <laughs> I think I've always wanted to do that. Uh, in fact, when I was a little kid, I'm just digressing for a minute, we had this... Um, fireplace that had all these big sort of misshapen stones you know just differently shaped stones as the backdrop of the fireplace and I used to stand there with a little stick and give my weather report by pointing at the different stones but the idea of having magnets if you had given me some kind of magnetic weather board as a kid I would be a weather person today I'm pretty sure but instead I had my and we moved when I was eight so then I, I lost access to my stones so uh, when it was on magnetic suns with magnetic boards, there was less scientific efficacy and less knowledge. 
I was one of the last people to get in before things started to change. Okay, so it sounds like you used to be able to be a weather person without a, me- a meteorologist, I guess you'd call them, uh, without having like a degree in what climatology or some kind of science. Anyway, I said, do you enjoy it? He said, oh, here we go. <laughs> Quite frankly, being on TV is like crack cocaine for middle-aged guys like me. I love to ask, now that I'm middle-aged, am I middle-aged? What's middle-aged? 45, 50, 55? I have to start asking middle-aged guys if uh, they want to be on TV. And if so, how good is it? He says, I grew up wanting to be on radio and to be a celebrity. A lot of people are weather weenies. Yes, that is weenies. I know my mouth is not making the word, but W-E-E-N-I-E-S. Okay, a lot of people are weather weenies, really into climatology. But I started out on radio. So he grew up wanting to be on radio and he wanted to be a celebrity. I haven't, I can, we gotta Google this guy. Anyway, when I started, I was in my mid-30s and now I'm in my mid-50s. Okay, so that must be middle-aged, mid-50s. This job has afforded me the things I thought it would. It doesn't come at once though, which is nice. You work into it, it doesn't happen all of a sudden. Oh, so let this be a message to anyone whose job sucks. <laughs> that slowly you can possibly work your way into something that's nice. Jeff says, I'm more able to understand the nice way people treat me. Now there's an obligation to give back. People in Connecticut have afforded me a very nice life and I do a lot of charity work. Oh, so he must be like a, and this was 2005, so it's 13 years ago. So if he's 55, he's in his mid fifties, let's just say 55, 65. So he's, he's probably 69. He's probably still doing this, wouldn't you think? Maybe, or he's retired in Connecticut. He does a lot of charity work. Okay, and I also work around all these incredibly good-looking babes. Oh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. I just have to, I'm going to just read that again and then move past it. Also, and he, plus I think he's joking. I guess I could call the men I work with good-looking babes, except that they're not (laughs) good-looking. Like, I could objectify the men I work with as a joke. But, ooh. Okay, anyway. Also, I work around all of these incredibly good-looking babes. A little less so for the guys. Okay, okay, here. So he's saying, you know, the guys that he works with are attractive, but not as attractive as the women. Well, I don't want to unpack that right now. Okay. Oh, here I go. He's, he's self-aware. He says, oh man, I'm really going to come off looking like a smartass. That's, that's pretty self-aware. I don't know if smartass is the right word, but okay. Um, I said, oh no, Suzanne. Oh no. I said, it's okay. You're making me laugh. All right. Well, it was in the context of the conversation. Leave us alone. I said, so people treat you well. I hope you'll keep listening to the podcast. I hope you don't just write me off just then and there. When I was young, I was raised in a town where we said all kinds of shameful things and things change and I would never say those shameful things anymore and I've kind of realized what an idiot I was and, <sighs> that you know, I don't know. That's for what it's worth. Oh, let's talk about killing animals now, okay? <sighs> okay, so he says when he goes, to, he goes at restaurants, the dry cleaners at the gas station, they are nice to me because they know who I am and you get to start off in a good way. I try to be as gracious as humanly possible. So it seems like people in the neighborhood appreciate him. 
I said, what did you study in college? He said, um, it's a distant fog. I was on the accelerated dismissal program, <laughs> but I just finished three years of schooling to get my meteorology degree. Oh, he did. It's different when you're growing up. Instead of being something you have to do, it's something you do to make yourself a better person. I said, do you have any advice for people who want to go into this industry? He said, don't go after my job. The world doesn't need any smarter, younger, more talented people who are willing to work for less money. He's he's good point. <laughs> this is, should be called Don't Fuck With Jeff Fox. He's like, look, there's only five meteorology jobs out there, so back off. I said, are there, are there a lot of people with meteorology degrees trying to get jobs? He said, unfortunately, there are many more meteor meteorologists than good jobs. There are a limited number of jobs on TV, and there are less and less in the government and private sector like the AccuWeather, no, like with AccuWeather or other weather vendors that I buy things from. Also, by the way, I should tell you something. No, I want to tell you something. Stop watching the Weather Channel. I believe it causes cancer. I don't want people to get sick. That's, he's, he's good. You are quite the humanitarian, I said. Well, thank you. I don't need people taking the caviar out of my daughter's mouth, so. How do you figure out the forecast each night? He says, I talk to the Psychic Friends Network. Actually, it's all very scientific. There are a variety of computer models. Some are run by the government, and everyone, including you, can access them for free. Then some are proprietary, like we have here at the station. Then there are universities that do research projects, like they have a great tropical forecast model at Florida State. They all leave you with numbers. It's my job to put it in perspective. It's not as important to be right with all the minutiae. What's important is for you to have a sense of what it will be like. I translate the technical jargon into something that's meaningful. If I do it well, you'll be nice when you see me. He said, if Miss Cleo had better feedback, I'd throw out the computers and move in with Miss Cleo. I don't use science because it's the proper thing. I use it because it works best. If woolly caterpillars worked, I'd use them. Do you guys remember Miss Cleo? She was like a Jamaican lady, maybe? I shouldn't even... That's... <laughs> she was a... Oh, should I just scrap this whole thing? <laughs> she did, um, what did she do? She was like a, um, mind reader, palm reader, but you called her on the phone, so she couldn't be. I gotta Google that now, too. Can you tell me how the green screen works? He said, did you see the African queen? I said, no, I did not. He said, oh, you gotta see it. It takes place during the early Nazi era in Central Africa. In one scene, Bogey, Bogey and Hepburn are in the rapids, and back then, they never thought you'd have a VCR <laughs> where you could stop and look at the movie frame by frame. But if you did, and you could, and you'd see that the background is all ratty. This was one of the first green screens, an optical creation of Hollywood. They would never think you had a VCR. It's true. Bogey and Hepburn. Um, he said, we do it electronically, so I can't wear green, thank God. Anything that's the color of the screen disappears. You could use any color. I know they use blue, and I'm sure you could use others. Hmm, I don't know if I knew you could use others. You just always hear a green screen. There must be something about green that works best. That's me, not him. <sighs> Are you sick of my voice yet? It's the tongue, isn't it? <sighs> so wait, there's. I don't have a pen and paper, but... Got to Google Jeff Fox. Got to Google Miss Cleo. And we got to Google tongue reduction surgery. I said, so do you 
get to choose the maps you're going to use each night. He said, I'm self-produced. I'm like the football kicker. I'm the short guy who they bring in to do something completely different from the rest of the team. My sole job is to kick the ball without a penalty. I don't read from scripts. I said, really? You've never read from a teleprompter? He said, I never have. I never did. I decide what's important. My boss might tell me what he likes or dislikes, but I get to do my own thing. I said, when do you go on the air? He said, we're on at 5, 5.30, 6, 10, and 11. I come in at 3, leave at 11.35, except on Monday nights when I have to stay until after football. I said, that's a lot of hours. He said, it's like a real full-time job. He said, actually, I think my wife kind of likes the schedule. I don't go to bed until 4, 4.30 in the morning, and I've developed as a bit of a snorer, so I think she's grateful. Uh, have you ever won any awards, I said? He said, I've won seven Emmy Awards. My God. How did this guy get in touch with, how did I find this guy? I can't remember. I feel like he must have contacted me, but who's contacted me who has Emmy Awards? If you have Emmy Awards, contact me. I said, what were the Emmys for? He said, best futon. No, I don't know, for weather, hosting, feature story. They are regional Emmys. They have a rectangular bottom instead of a circular bottom, but you can trade in six regional for one national. And he said, no, I'm just kidding. Have you had any embarrassing moments doing this job? Okay, he says, like 20 years ago, I got an envelope in the mail. It had two tickets to a football game, and I was like, okay, someone gave me football tickets. Then I realized they were from the week before. Then I read the letter and it said, you said it was going to be so awful, so we didn't go, but I could have gotten tan lines it was so sunny. They sent one letter to me and one to Al Roker, who was working on Channel 4 in New York at the time. <laughs> Damn, that's, I, I've missed the days. One time when I was in college, I was really sick and I had to go to work anyway. Um, and I, was, I stopped at the grocery store to get some like Sudafed, I think it was some, you know, like stuff for being sick. And I could not get the package open. Like I struggled and struggled to get the package open. It wasn't just like a peel off the back situation. It was like rip the plastic. And I couldn't rip the plastic. And I was sweating and I had a fever and I was crying and I couldn't get it open. And then I went, I, I finally got it open. I don't know how I jammed it with my keys or I, I don't know what I did, but I was so sad and frustrated. Now, <laughs> I was going to work at a restaurant, and I had a fever, so I shouldn't have been going to work, but uh, I needed the money, and they needed me to be there. So um, anyway, long story short, I wrote a letter. I typed a full letter to the Sudafed people, and I mailed it to them, like saying, you know, telling them of my dramatic chain of events and how they need to make the damn things easier to open, and I think they wrote me back and I think they gave me a coupon. Now that wasn't that exciting, but another time, I probably told this before, did I tell you this? When I was like in college, no, not after college, and I was super broke, I used to, every once in a while, I would save up my money and I would buy a power bar, which in Oregon was 99 cents and was like very expensive to me to buy just a, a candy bar for a dollar. Anyway, I bought a power bar and I bicycled all the way home because my car was dead and then I got home and the wrapper was like already half ripped off and I started crying because I wanted, I was so hungry. <laughs> Why did my parents let me leave the house? Anyway, I was so hungry and tired and I, I wasn't sure if I should try to eat it or not because it had, 
it was open and maybe someone poisoned it so I didn't eat it but then I sat down and I typed the power bar people a letter same deal like telling them how poor I was and how I <laughs> and would you believe I did I tell this story I'm sorry if I did those amazing people sent me a fucking case of power bars and a nicely typed letter with a crisp dollar bill attached to it uh, with a uh, paper clip. Amazing. Can you imagine? I was so broke. I was like, a case of power bars was like, <gasps> it was like a gift from God. And they gave me a dollar. Like, it was the coolest thing. I To this day, I still sometimes, like when I'm hungry for a power bar, like some kind of, you know, energy bar, whatever the hell, granola bar. I keep my eyes open for Power Bar because that was like one of the coolest things. Now they're probably owned by some, they're probably owned by Disney or something, but okay. Here's Jeff's last little story. He said, there was another time just about as long ago when I was reporting on a blizzard. Every hour I would say, it should be ending in the next hour or two, but I did that all night through about 10 more inches of snow. It took at least a year for them to forgive me for that. <laughs> that's, well, that's the tough part. You're trying to predict the weather. Okay, I'm looking him up right now. Jeff Fox is American. T He's got a Wikipedia page. He is. He's an American television broadcast meteorologist with a career spanning over 30 years. At for 27 years, he was at WTNH in New Haven, Connecticut. He was there till 2011. Then he went to another place in Hartford. And he was a host of a garden segment titled Jeff's Garden. He graduated from Brooklyn Technical High School. He holds a broadcast seal from American Meteorological Society. Does it say anything else? He began hosting a program called Inside Space on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, no. this I wonder if he wrote this. In 2011, after 27 years at WTNH, Fox discovered that his contract would not be renewed. He probably wrote that in there. He's like spitting nails and typing this. His departure received national media attention due to the loyalty of those viewers in addition to his long-spanning career with the station. In 2011, he was hired by an affiliate where he did the weather and science reports. He was dismissed after 19 months for what the station identified as inappropriate con conduct. Fox lost nearly 2,000 of his followers on Facebook following the scandal. Oh, no. He f developed an internet-based company for designing and building websites. He relocated to Southern California, worked in Palm Springs in September, in 2015. Oh, God. Now he... Oh. In 2015, he was the on-air meteorologist for News Channel Nebraska's first station in Norfolk. Oh, my God. It's like Alan Partridge. I don't know if you get that reference, but it's this British guy. Anyway, uh, news, Norfolk. <laughs> okay, anyway. Uh, uh, in mid-2017, he made an agreement with WTNH, and he returned for a seven-week period. Uh, he, he wanted a full-time position. They offered him an opportunity to stay there on a part-time basis and he declined the offer oh my god can you imagine if all your job offers were posted on wikipedia like all the times you quit a company and then decide to come back or just oh my god he said the offer wasn't a good fit he was thankful for being given the brief opportunity to return and show his gratitude to all the supporters we wish him nothing but the best in the future holy shit that's it oh. <laughs> all right well Wow, 
who would have known I would be breaking a scandal here live on the podcast? Okay, Miss Cleo. Her name was Yuri Del Harris, an American. Oh, I feel bad. I, I said she's from Jamaica. I don't know where she's from. Let's see. She is, oh, see, she used various aliases. Anyway, you could look at this yourself. I'm sorry. But she's a TV phone psychic. Oh, okay. she was raised in a Catholic Caribbean family. See, I knew she was from the Caribbean somewhere. Holy shit. <laughs> in 1996, her and her partner opened a theatrical production company in Seattle, which produced several plays written by her. She wrote, she acted in her first project, an autobiographical play titled For Women Only. Her last project in 1997 was not successful, and she left town with a trail of debts and broken promises. <laughs> oh, no, she told her cast members she had bone cancer? What? Okay, this is the interesting. Oh, see? Oh, I was right. In the late 1990s, Harris began to work for the Psychic Readers Network under the name Cleo. She appeared on a television infomercial as a television infomercial psychic in which she claimed she was a mystical shaman from Jamaica. Her employer's website also stated that Harris had been born in Jamaica and grown up there. The Psychic Readers Network is said to have coined the term Miss Cleo and sent unsolicited emails, some of which stated Miss Cleo has been authorized to issue a special tarot reading. It is vital that you call immediately. <laughs> And then, of course, charges of deceptive advertising and a fraud on the part of the psychic network began to surface around this time. Among the complaints were allegations that calls to Miss Cleo were answered by her associates, who were actors reading from scripts, and that cars, calls promoted as free were, in fact, charged for. Okay, and then it goes on to talk about the lawsuits. <laughs> oh, she voiced the character Auntie Poulet. That means chicken. Well, sorry. You might know that. Annie Poulet in the 2002 video game Grand Theft Auto Vice City. She also wrote a book, Keeping It Real, A Practical Guide for Spiritual Living. She, she was on the Fuse Network as a spokeswoman. Okay, 2014. She was in a documentary called Hotline. Wow. Death? Is she dead? She got colon cancer. She died in 2016 at age 53. It seems like no matter what I try, everything turns to shit. <laughs> All right. Miss Cleo, Jeff Fox, nitrous oxide, frozen liquid nitrogen. No. What was the third thing? Hmm. Uh, I can't remember. Of course. All right. So the next one, uh, is, can you hear my phone typing it in? Um, I'm trying to find it. What's the guy's name? I just, uh, hold on. I was supposed to be so smooth and prepared. Okay, my next one is a recent one. I just decided I'd like to do a recent one. Here it is. It's from January of 2018. So oh, it's almost been a year, but this guy was great. <laughs> his name, he says, his name is Jake Vick, and he makes inflatable history. I shouldn't say, it's not like he you'll see. Just be patient. <laughs> Just hold your goddamn horses. I'm getting there. Jake Vick makes inflatable history. I said, what's your job? He said, I work for a manufacturer who makes custom-made airbags and inflatables. I said, is there a lot of demand for custom airbags? You sense my cynicism? 
He said, more than I originally thought there'd be. He said, all around the country, people set up fairs for schools, churches, counties, and they all want inflatable things that you can jump into. Hell yes, I say. Hell yes. There has never been a time when I've gone into like a bouncy house and jumped up and down that I did not just feel pure joy in my heart. Can't think of a single time. There have been times when I was parenting and I was just like, when will this day be over? But then I started jumping and there was joy in my heart along with the pain of parenting. <laughs> Do you remember when you first started? When you first started? I guess, I guess I'm saying, tell me about when you first started this job. He says, yes, they asked me to head up the custom department. Boy, I feel like there's something missing right there. Anyway. He, so he starts at this company, they asked him to head up the custom department. We make replicas of almost anything, like for concerts. We'll make a giant whiskey or a beer bottle. We also make giant things for Comic-Cons. We make obstacles for Ninja Warrior courses and that kind of thing. I wonder if they made the snakes for Taylor Swift's concert. You know those massive inflatable snakes? Of course you do. You're big Swifties. Come on. I think you already know why I watch. Uh, yeah, I have a kid. Okay. I like Taylor Swift, too. I'm not going to be a hater on Taylor Swift. I, her songs are catchy. What can you do? God damn. Back off. All right. At one point, we met the owner of the airbag patent. Ooh, the guy who invented the type of airbags we use. He used to be a trapeze artist, and af after getting hurt, he set his mind to coming up with a better way to fall. Ooh, maybe next week. There's a guy I interviewed one time who choreographs fights. I thought that one was interesting. Anyway, this guy's so the guy who invented this type of airbag was a trapeze artist who kept falling and was like, I need a better airbag. Um, he's, Jake says, people picture just a giant bag of air, but the inventor of our airbag came up with this design that's like a bunch of inflatable pillars, and when you land on it, it's like a bunch of shock absorbers. There's an aperture at the bottom, and with the right amount of air coming in and going out, it's a really comfortable landing. I said, how do people find your company? He said, that's a good question. We have daily marketing meetings to try to figure that out. This guy's cool. I remember this now. He the, he works for like a small company. And they, I, I need to look up. As soon as this is done, I'm going to Google the name of his company because I want you to know it. I, when I put stuff on McSweeney's, I try not, I can't use like company names, don't want to advertise, that kind of thing. In fact, next week maybe there's a guy who worked at Walmart but we didn't say Walmart in the interview. Maybe I could do that guy. Anyway, uh, he'd say, we do go to these trade shows. One coming up is called Gibtown. It's in something like Gibsontown, Florida, or Gibsonton. Once a year, all the carnies from across the country come together there to buy their equipment. There's another trade show in November in Orlando called IAAPA, the International Association of Amusement Park or something or other. It's full of people who sell things that can go in an amusement park, like cotton candy sales, Coke sales, people who will set up a full petting zoo at your location. A full petting zoo. Some of these things make me so excited. That's why they have that video game where you can make your own amusement park, because who doesn't want to play with all that fun stuff? In fact, I just interviewed a woman recently who worked at a pawn shop, and the cool stuff she got to play with, oh, I'm just, I'm going to ruin part of that interview. She got to, one time she went in the back, they had like a warehouse where they kept overflow stuff, like from the pawn shop and just all kinds of crap. She went in there one time and she was like on drugs and they had a full on McDonald's play area, like inside a warehouse. So 
ah, the idea of just, (sighs) sorry if I told you this already. Okay, anyway. Um, he said, if you had a shopping list of everything you needed to build Disney World, you could get it there, and we're there, too. Is that vocal fry when I did it like that? We're there, too. Is it more like, we're, I don't know how that, okay. Anyway, it sounds amazing. I didn't say that in the interview. I'm saying it now. It's amazing. I want to play with all that stuff. How long have you been doing this job, Jake? Five years, almost six. What's the day-to-day like? Well, people call in and they have these ideas. When I first started, we did a lot of mud runs, like a pool, ramp, a slide, things to crawl up and under. See, so that I can picture, right? Like people on these obstacle courses. He said, I do, excuse me, I knew how to draw. I took basic architectural drawing in high school and my family have always been makers. My mom is a costume designer and my dad's a woodworker. So I'm good at helping figure out how to make what people want. I always try to get a rudimentary drawing from the client, though, even if it's just a really rough sketch. I said I didn't realize there was a market, such a market for inflatable stuff. He said, well, for example, if you make something that uses trusses and scaffolding, you have to load it up and take it with you, and it can say it can take, say, four containers. If you come up with a concept that's inflatable, four containers is now one container. I bet he did do those snakes. What are some of the projects you've worked on, Jake? He said, one of the first things I did was really just plain Jane. I got a call from a guy who pitched a show to the History Channel or something. He had this idea of doing a full, no, of doing three full-scale replicas of the Hindenburg. (laughs) Yeah, that's plain Jane, just, you know, replicas of the Hindenburg. He hired us to make bags full of whatever material it is they use to inflate the blimp. Whatever it is that makes it float, I can't think of it right now. Anyway, they look just like really big grocery bags, and then they are custom fit into sections of the blimp. Then they lit them on fire or whatever to recreate what happened. I said, I feel like I saw that show. (laughs) He said, yeah, there was part of the show where if you paused it and squinted, you could see our work. But I do, actually, now that I say that, I do. There was like some, because, okay, this is where my husband's critic comes in. It's like, I thought the Hindenburg was like a boat that sank or something. I didn't know what it was. And then when, then when somebody said it's a blimp, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I thought it was a blimp that happened, something happened in Germany because its name is the fucking Hindenburg. But apparently um, it was in New Jersey. Is that right, that it exploded? I don't, I, I saw that show, but that was maybe years ago. Okay, I said, tell me about some of the other things you've done. This is where Jake blew my mind. And the fact that he just saved it till now, I was like, come on, man. He said, we built an inflatable bounce house for the Museum of Sex. Do you? <coughs> it's the tongue or the. Uh. We built an inflatable bounce house for the Museum of Sex in New York. It's a room of inflatable boobs. That's right, a room of inflatable boobs. And I want to put this picture up, but I also don't want boobs like this. I'm too prudish. So you'll have to look at the interview. Just type McSweeney's Jake Vic inflatables and you'll find it. There is a picture in the interview of the boob bounce house. I said, how big is it? He said, it's maybe 15 by 15 inside. It's like a kid's bounce house, but it has breasts of different shapes and sizes and colors, I should add. Like, (laughs) you should just see this thing. So 
the the boobs are like spheres like half spheres but they're they're huge so they're not just little things it's like a giant boob in the middle and they all have nipples too it's not like yeah you gotta see it I said is it still there he said I think so in fact I have a friend who was in New York riding a train and there was an ad on the train that showed a picture of the bounce house there were a bunch of kids on the train and they started chanting something about it like the booby bouncer the booby bouncer I did. I went on the Museum of Sex's uh, website when I interviewed him in January, and there was a whole video of people jumping up and down in the boob bounce house. Um, so I asked Jake, have you ever done something you weren't proud of? He said, no, but I can think of something we didn't end up doing. There was one guy who was promoting a really trashy online lingerie business. He would throw swingers parties, and he wanted to build a giant replica of a specific porn star. The idea was he'd sit in the crotch, and you'd come visit him, and when you were done, you'd walk out the back. I said, why didn't you end up doing it? He said, we gave him the price tag and he couldn't make it work. <laughs> I said, do you do airbags for stunts, that kind of thing? He said, we really, there, there really aren't that many stuntmen to sell to. The, the pool is pretty small. He said, the coolest one is Disney, though. In Shanghai, at the Disney Park there, they do a live Pirates of the Caribbean stunt show. Pirates of the Caribbean stunt show. At one point, there are two people fighting on a ship's mast, and one guy falls through the de deck of the ship and onto an airbag that we made for them. Hmm. I said, cool. Anything else? He said, oh, no. Oh, shit. I remember this part. Nothing gold can stay. Anyway, cool. Anything else? He says, have you heard of this place called Stone Mountain, Georgia? I said, nope. He said, I hadn't either. They have a park there. Oh, I just can't even. <sighs> I hadn't either. They have a park there that's built around a huge rock in the middle of a forest. Into the rocks, they've carved all these Confederate generals. And at night, they light it with lasers and play The South Will Rise Again. I said, excuse me? He said, yes. They have a ropes course there, a three-story system of ropes that people traverse while they are harnessed in. At one point, they can jump into one of our airbags. I was there for like two weeks total over a six-month period. They had to test the airbags, and to do it, they had to have people jump into the airbag like a hundred times and record each test, so I was there for that. That place is just something I would not have otherwise expected. At one point, I was staying in a hotel in the park, and they were doing the lasers, and I was thinking about all the stuff I would have never known about. I said, I had definitely never heard of that place. I'm intrigued by this whole idea of a Confederate light show, <laughs> a Confederate laser show. He said, yeah. This job is opening the world to me. In general, in this job, all of these people have these crazy ideas and we help them bring it to life. Um, another thing we did is an escape room. We did one where you have to jump out the window and then you land in an airbag. Dude, I have never. I've done maybe three escape rooms. I've never had, I think they're fine just think they're fine the best thing about doing an escape room was one time it was me my husband and my daughter and my husband gets crazy competitive and is just dying to tear through the place and there was one point where we thought that the next clue had something to do with putting goggles on these goggles so there were three pairs of goggles so we all put the goggles on and looked around and I was just like oh it's nothing and he said yeah it's nothing and my daughter goes no there's something here I can see something on the screen <laughs> through her goggles and my husband's like you can't see anything she's like 
no, I swear. And I was like, let me see, honey. And I, because I'm all gracious and sweet, of course, I'm not at all agitated. So I look in her goggles and I'm like, there is something, there is. And Mike was like, give me that. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, then we got to use that against him for weeks and weeks after that. Like, remember how you threw our daughter under the bus at the escape room? That's right. But we didn't get to jump out a window when it was done. It's just like a little room. Oh, yeah. I told him that. I did an escape room once, but I can't imagine jumping out a window at the end. Anyway, you stay busy around? He said, yep. Oh, here, I let him say the company. He said, yep, the company I2K Inflatables has been busy for 25 years. I love it. It's a lot of fun for me, and it's always something new. We sell things that people are using to make money. So the longer it takes, the longer they're not making money. That part's a little bit stressful. But we get to do cool things. Like we just made a 100-foot-long Ninja Warriors course that's all inflatable. We do a lot of Ninja Warrior courses where instead of falling into water, they use our airbags, that kind of thing. Have you guys watched Ninja Warriors? Like I feel like one time when we were drinking, we started watching it and we're like, those guys are these like well these humans are insane like their arm strength and the things they do i think it's called ninja warrior anyway he said we made a 65 foot tall slide and when you get down to the bottom you launch into the air and land on an airbag i said that sounds amazing and fun he said yeah and that's the end of the interview oh you guys it's been an emotional roller coaster hasn't it but we made it through together what was the third thing I was going to Google from the first interview? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> do I want to do it? Tongue reduction, reduction. No, no. Is it true? It's, it shows up as an available search. Reduction glossectomy for large tongues. The goal of the tongue reduction surgery is to primarily reduce the enlarged tongue while ensuring adequate taste sensation, speech, <laughs> and masticatory functions. Three modifications of the popular tongue debulking techniques have been described. And then there's another article, Long-Term Outcomes of Surgical Tongue Reduction. Oh, oh, oh. There's a, oh, oh, fuck. There's some kind of video. I almost, oh, I had to scroll past it very quickly. <laughs> I really don't want this kind of surgery. It was a joke, but it says that um, people, it says base of tongue reduction for se severe obstructive sleep apnea. Oh, oh. Ooh, Athleta mailed me. I have 20% off. <laughs> oh, tongue reduction surgery. Oh. Let's forget this ever happened. You, I just, just, I can't. Um, okay, that's all for today. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you, are you getting a tree? I think we're going to get a tree, but it always becomes a problem. <laughs> it seems like it's, yeah. Oh, probably not today. No tree today. Okay. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you again next week. I'll, t next week, I got to have some girls, first of all, do some girl interviews. And I feel like it's been boy heavy. Uh, and I'll try to do any that don't have like hot, hot button. <sighs> <I don't know. laughs> all right. 
Thanks again. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.